What's going on? How's it going? Good. Good. And you? Uh, pretty good. How was your Christmas? Pretty good. Yours? It was was all right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, since it's just past Christmas time, I was thinking we could do something that's a little bit on the darker side of Christmas, or really more likely the darker side of Santa Claus. And uh, so I've got about three, and uh, one of them actually came from you. Where do you want to start? Um, you want to start with the with the Krampus? I think that's how it's said. Yeah, yeah, might as well. Um, so according to everything I found, it comes more from the area of Europe around Germany and Austria and uh, Hungary and places like that, and. From what I understand, it's around the time that Santa comes, or St. Nicholas over there, he uh, he comes along with him, and instead of getting presents, he snatches up the bad kids and tosses them in a sack and takes them away to his, uh, to his lair, I guess. The, the thing about it that, uh, that I thought was actually kind of cool is the depiction of him looks more like um, some of the more biblical descriptions of satan uh yeah have you seen those <laughs> yeah it's a real good way it looks like to scare kids into being good right <laughs> yeah i mean you always hear like i don't know how it is in other countries but i know in, in the u.s it's if you're good you get presents if you're bad santa leaves you a lump of coal but i think uh i think a lot of kids would be a lot better if you know oh if if you're bad santa's best friend is going to come and stuff you in a bag and take you off to his lair in the middle of the woods and we'll never see you again. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Grimm's fairy tales came from over that way and those were all... For fairy tales, they were pretty pretty graphic and I, I guess more or less were designed to scare kids into being good. Right. So I, I guess it makes sense. I mean, what's, what are your thoughts on it? As far as Grimm's fairy tales goes... Uh, for for anybody who doesn't realize this, what you read now as like the Little Red Riding Hood or or Jack and the Giant Beanstalk is not what the original story was. They were usually a lot more bloody, a lot more gory. Oh yeah, there were usually a lot of people that died in those. Yeah, definitely. I um actually have a book that's that's full of them, both in uh in German and also translated to English, and some of them. I definitely wouldn't read them to my kids. Yeah. Unless you want to scare them straight, right, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess they do a lot of... Um, they actually still celebrate the uh, the Krampus figure, too. There's a lot of... They're like festivals and things like that. Have you seen any pictures from those? Yeah. And it's actually um, very selectively being celebrated somewhat in the United States. From what I've read... Um, in mainly German communities. Right. I, I know that um I've noticed that over the past couple years it's it's actually been making its way into um kinda into our our mass media sort of. I mean, just this year the uh the T V show Grimm actually had an episode dealing with that. And I thought that was pretty cool. They yeah. They um they made him look pretty much like you see in all the pictures if you look him up. I mean, for anybody who doesn't, um, uh, who hasn't seen this or isn't wanting to actually look it up, he basically just looks like a big, hairy, horned monster. <laughs> and that's 
it's about the best I can describe it. Um, some of them are dark hair, some of them are light hair, and there's some pretty cool pictures of people dressed up as them. I mean, I encourage people to go online and look at it. Yeah, he's he's got the um, he's got the sharp teeth and the the cloven hooves and stuff like that. And um, actually, as I was talking a minute ago, I I, I realized that I I have said grim probably more times in just this first five minutes than I have in any other podcast, even when saying my name. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this one feels a little Grim-centric already, so maybe yeah. we <laughs> we ought to move on. <laughs> um, there's another one from, I guess, from a part of Germany called Belsnickel. Have you heard of that one before? Yeah, I've read um, pretty lightly on it. Uh, you want to take a lead on it while I try to get my bearings about me about what it is more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in the German tradition, I think Santa comes more on the 5th or 6th of December, and um, the kids leave out their shoes and, you know, clean their shoes and stuff like that. And the tradition is that St. Nick comes by and fills their shoes with candy. And um, this this is more along the lines of what we have here in the u.s where if you're bad um he might leave coal in their stockings or actually switches so that they can be whipped with them yeah that's um that's that's actually very similar to to the next one we'll get into which is um which is saint whip or uh, the whipping father I, i've said the same whip a few times um but an interesting note on the uh, bell's ankle is that um it's actually a big thing in Pennsylvania here in the States. Um, a lot of the Dutch uh, believe in this or, you know, as far as, you know, we would Santa Claus. Either. It's a similar belief there and people will dress up as them, you know, especially in the Amish and Dutch communities over there. Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of the um, a lot of the traditions from uh, from the Netherlands and from Germany and all that came came over with people that ended up settling in um, a lot of Amish communities and stuff like Pennsylvania and even some parts of Ohio and Indiana as well. Yeah, yeah let's go ahead and move on into um, the Whipping Father, which has a French name that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not too good in, into French either. I, I speak like just a little bit of French, but I can read less than that so we'll just go ahead and call him the whipping father <laughs> yeah and uh um, but the uh the french uh, name looks very it looks from what i know french like it's just the literal french translation of that right um but basically he's a he's this guy who accompanies saint nicholas um you know ar around the world on saint nicholas's day which in the other parts of the world um, is the 5th or 6th of December, depending on where you're at, um, which is pretty different from the 25th uh, over here in the States. And he's just basically the guy who will give you coal. I mean, he, he's like the mild brother of some of the other guys we talked about. Yeah. But basically, he just gives you coal and will um, whip children with, with um, you know, that, are, that have been bad throughout the year. Well, on the other hand, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus will give gifts to those who, that were well-behaved. And this guy is 
more mainly known around North and East and France and Belgium and all those areas. But that, that's pretty much the um, the gist about him. Yeah, I think um, just after I I started doing research on some of these guys, it seems like uh, our traditions in the U.S. compared with European traditions, where I think most of them were based off of, um, I think the European traditions are are far more interesting, and um, I don't know, it, it ours feel a little weak compared to what they came from. Yeah. <laughs> ours seem to be very mild. Yeah, I mean it's. All right, but do you want to move on to um? Yeah, let's. Into, uh, yeah, since we uh since we covered kind of the darker side of uh christmas um i wanted to do something on miracles and when i went searching for miracles i found out that if you really want to find miracles or reported miracles really they're very catholic heavy i mean it, it, everything happens within the catholic community it seems like right. i don't know i maybe i was just hoping for some miracles that weren't related to any religion at all something just crazy awesome and miraculous happening but really what i came up with was kind of like the bigger ones and um as it happens the first one i came across was called incorruptibles and right have you ever heard of that uh yeah i hadn't, I hadn't heard it by that name before but i'd seen the phenomenon you know on, on tv on the history channel right. before for uh, people that wouldn't know what it is it's basically Basically, when when you die, there's two really known sorts of ways that you can be preserved. There's either um, accidental preservation, which happened, I believe, was in Ireland or Wales or somewhere um, in the in the peat ball where that guy where they found the guy that was accidentally mummified into it. Right. It happens in areas that are particularly dry or have salt in the salt in the soil or whatever. Or uh, places that are. Um really cold like up in the mountains and the himalayans and stuff like that correct they they actually you find people a lot in the andes mountains yeah. in south america yeah. uh where the inca people would have um sacrifices up there and i mean they're still finding people up there i mean from hundreds of years ago now but um and then another one is is um known or like intentional preservation which is your your mummification your embalming and all of that um well really there's there's another third one that they haven't found too many examples of but it's where these incorruptibles come from where they're where they find these people they they exhume these bodies and they're completely other words perfect they their skin is so soft usually moist they're not decomposed at all uh, usually their hair and nails have kept growing. They have flowing blood if they get cut. And you know, with these other types of, of embalming and all that, usually when the grave is disturbed, the air or, or moisture enters in the wherever they're buried, they will start to decompose rapidly. And some of these people have been taken out and have not um, decomposed at all since they've been touched. I know some of them have actually been... Um when they go, they go on display in churches and stuff like that, because I think most of the people that come up incorruptible like that have actually been, um, been given saint status. So the, they'll yeah. take them and they'll put them on display in various churches, but some of them have actually been 
cut up into pieces and having their pieces taken to different churches. And even after that's happened, I mean, you can see a little bit of aging as you normally would, but there's no real decomposition there. Right. And sometimes even with that quake line, which is a, decomp- a um, decomposing agent, even with that put on them, they don't decompose. Right. Um, I've actually, I've got a link that I'm going to put up uh, on the blog page when we post this. And it's got pictures of just all sorts of, uh, just a, a bunch of the incorruptibles, I guess. And some of them um, have been make up a little bit. Some of them have a wax coating or something like that, sort of to help preserve them. But all in all, I mean, for some of these people being dead two, three hundred years, there shouldn't be anything left. And they're all in really, really good condition, which is, I mean, in better condition than like your old Egyptian mummies. And those are mostly in really good condition. I mean, I honestly just can't find any explanation for this. I mean. They're in, I mean, some of these people have died of diseases that should have sped up decomposition. I mean, are buried in ways that they should have been long gone by now. And I mean, they can still look like they're freshly dead. Right. I, I read one that I don't remember which one it was, though, but I read an account of one where the lady had died and they dug her up a few years later and she was in perfect condition and they reburied her. And then they dug her up again, and she was still in perfect condition. So they buried her again, and years later they dug her up, and she was still in perfect condition. And then uh, after that, they made her a saint and put her on display. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I think what I read was that in order for somebody to be declared a saint, they had to be incorruptible for a long time. Um, I think they did away with that now. Uh, that, that's not. Why did it's one of the qualifi- qualifications of being canonized? Okay. Um, basically, if you did nothing else really special in your life, but you're incorruptible, they'll take a closer look into you and see, you know, what you know, what kind of person you were, and if you were, you know, a very strict Catholic, you know, and they might find something that wasn't highly talked about at the time that happened with you, and then they'll they'll make you a saint. They'll canonize you. Okay, but um. One of the things that they would do, though, is they would they would bury somebody and then dig them up again to uh, like I think the uh, the standard amount of time was five years just to check. Do you have any theories on that? I mean, I've I've thought about it and I can't really come up with anything. I mean, it happens different parts of the world, people from different backgrounds. The only thing that really stays the same is that they were very religious. But even then, some of them didn't come from. Uh, a mainly Catholic background, which is what a lot of people try to say is the the common factor. Right. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I can't really um grab my head around w- what it could be. Um, the church's theory is is if is these people are usually the ones that are seen later with some kind of prophecy, um, like the Virgin Mary. Um, I I. I read a whole list of them. I can't think of anybody right now, but basically, people would reappear later, and would and people would see that would get, and they would um carry some kind of prophecy with them or or whatever. Those are usually the ones that are later dug up, and they're like, oh well, this happened, this happened, and then they'll canonize it. Okay, so 
So normally if somebody appears in a prophecy or a vision or something, then they go and dig them up and to check, right? I, I don't know if they do it to check, but I mean, they, they might make the link afterwards. I, I don't know really exactly how they go about that, but that's the, uh, that's the church's explanation for it is that they would have to be preserved. Right. You know, that, that God would have to preserve these bodies for them to come back and look like that. And not, I mean, apparently not scare people away. Right. I think, um, maybe we might want to come back to this sometime and see if we can't get some sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe somebody from the Catholic Church that could talk about this. I mean, we've got, just in my area, I've got like 10 Catholic churches, so maybe I could track down somebody that would be knowledgeable on some of that stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I live in a very um, Eastern European, you know, we have a Ukrainian village and Polish village out here. I mean, all in the same little city I live in. Um, so there's, I mean, a Catholic church every, pretty much every 20 feet, oh, yeah. it seems like. So I'll see if I can't uh, get a hold of somebody and try to write down an interview or something. Right. Um, since we're on miracles, um, stigmata. What do you think about stigmata? It's a medical disease, pretty much. I wouldn't really. I mean, it would be a disease that affects you negatively, I suppose. But it's seen as a miracle. Also, it's basically where you bleed from the eyes. Um. It, I'm correcting that, right? I'm not. Uh... Uh, bleeding from the eyes is one of the one of the uh, signs. Uh, mostly, it it's associated with um, people develop the same wounds that they believe Christ yeah. had. Um, sometimes holes through their palms and their feet, or sometimes holes through their wrists, or bleeding from the forehead. Sometimes bleeding from the side where Jesus was supposed to have been stabbed by a spear. But um, yeah. bleeding from the eyes, I think there was a lady not too long ago that was the most famous case, most uh, recently famous case, was she was bleeding from the eyes quite a bit. It seems like um, bleeding from the eyes, I've seen, I saw a younger guy also who was suffering from the rest of that also, um, from his hands and his feet and all that. Um, what, what, what do you think might uh, cause all that? Well, actually, um, when I was doing research on it, I found, I found one explanation that fits one case at least of um, a girl that had a condition that was more like a severe form of hypochondria where she could make herself bleed from various parts of her body if she got really upset. Um, I mean, for people who don't know, hypochondria is where you hear of a disease and you think you have it. And she was actually able to manifest it if she got upset enough. They were able to coax her into displaying symptoms of stigmata bleeding from different parts of her body where there's actually no no injuries or cuts or anything like that i think if you want to take the whole religious thing out of it which i try to look at things from both sides of the spectrum and religiously it you know it it's a great sign of faith i guess but if you want to look at it from the other side i would think it's more of a a mind over matter type of thing. It really, it would just demonstrate the very impressive power that your mind has and how it can affect things around you. That, uh, that girl you were talking about, I was just thinking while you are talking about that, that sounds like the world's worst superpower. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you can bleed on yeah, command. I can, or <laughs> Yeah, I can make myself have these afflictions. 
but I can't really do anything else. I'm so angry I have dysentery. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, I found a case where Italian priest, for the longest time, they they said he was possessed by the devil and he was evil. And uh, they accused him of having sex in the confessionals with people. And then he started having stigmata, you know, his his hands would bleed and he would bleed from his side. And he said that it embarrassed him so much that he would wear mittens when he did his sermon. And he actually bled every day for like 50 years until he died. That's the one you'll you'll see the most if you Google stigmata. But I think there was an argument for that one that he was using sulfuric acid or something like that to burn the holes in him to keep them bleeding. But I don't know if, if somebody would be able to do that every day for 50 years. I mean, you'd really have to want to sell it. Yeah. You think he could just slip into obscurity there and not really have to worry about it anymore. Right. Uh, Yeah. For like every day for 50 years though, he, you know, they, he's got journals and stuff like that. And um, eventually they went from thinking he was crazy and possessed by the devil and actually made him a saint eventually. I, I don't know how that flip happened because, <laughs> I mean, if they're accusing you one day of having having sex in the confessional and then the next day you're a saint, I'm not. He would have to have performed some sort of miracle that I I wasn't able to find, I guess. I don't know. Well, uh, something that can kind of go off of that, which I mean, again, isn't really following on, on our on our topic today, but we kind of rarely do that anyhow. Right. Um, we, I, I know from time to time we'll drop um, we'll drop movies out. Oh yeah. Where we, for for our listeners to watch or whatever, and um, one of them that reminded or something, a movie that reminded me or um, what you said reminded me of a movie called The Right. Um about a Catholic priest who goes over to the Vatican and learns all about exorcism. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Always, and while he's over there, the um, the uh, the priest that's teaching him actually gets possessed at one point, and he has to call up Stephen by himself. It's a pretty good movie based on a true story. Um, the the priest came on and did an interview uh, somewhere at some point. I read about, it and he said it was um very true to what happened except for the other priest either didn't get possessed or the possession wasn't as bad as what is what they said i'm gonna have to look that up uh yeah i've seen the movie but i haven't seen the interview yeah he said that everything that happened with the lady Mm -hmm. actually happened oh wow which is pretty crazy if you remember what, what happened to her in the movie i don't want to give it right, away right. yeah i remember <laughs> most of it yeah um another movie though actually uh i want to say it came from the 90s that i remember seeing was actually called stigmata and if i'm correct it had one of the arquette sisters was in it and uh she would develop bleeding uh, i think one scene she was bleeding from her eyes and Another one, she was bleeding from her hands. And I think that one followed more along uh, the possession line also. But yeah. something about it, you know, caused her to have the, the stigmata symptoms. But uh, I don't remember a whole lot of that one. I think I watched that one when I was 
well, watched it when it first came out. So if it was early to mid 90s, I probably wasn't paying too much attention. It came out in 99 and I had Christian Sweat in it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember some of it, but not much of it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm just looking it up now. <laughs> now I've seen so many horror movies that sometimes they just run together for me, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah I've, I mean, I've seen probably thousands of movies. <laughs> so, I mean, I just watch movies all the time. So um, a, lot of, a lot of them run together for me also. Get trying to get back on topic here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think our last topic for today is the crying statue. Yeah. Um, the thing that got me that that I found as soon as I started looking actually was that there's a there's a town called Redding, Ohio, which is like I don't know. I want I want to say fifteen to twenty minutes drive, maybe a little more than that. And uh, in 2011, they actually had a couple of crying statues, and I had never heard of it. But um, basically what, what they had there was they had, um, they had a Jesus statue and a Mary statue, and they were both crying. And um, I guess nobody was a- ever able to, uh, to debunk it. I, I don't know if they're still there today, but uh, I was thinking if they are, I might have to plan a trip up to see it. Yeah. But um, I mean, normally when you get the, um, the crying statues, a lot of times they're crying tears. Um, sometimes scented oil, uh, sometimes even blood or just something that looks like blood. I know a couple times in some of the bleeding statues, they've actually tested it. And in both cases, they were, uh, typo positive blood. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's my blood type. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it seems like a lot of these that I hear, um, are typically out of South America of southern north america you know those areas central america i I think those are Uh um well i I think those are places that are most uh very dominantly catholic yeah it's they're very dominantly catholic going all the way back to when the spaniards came across and you know instilled that into those people right but i mean a lot of these i also read about are turned out to be you know some priests that's dumping liquid into some hidden vessel inside it oh sure yeah to, for whatever ends to make people come to the church and donate or whatever. Yeah, I, I know a lot of them are. Um, a lot of them can be proven fake, but there's uh, there's some, and there's one in Mexico, I believe, where um, the the statue was crying actual tears. You know, they were, you could taste it, and it was salty. Some people would taste it, I guess. Yeah. And they were collecting it in cotton balls and passing it out to people. And you know, there would be people walking up on crutches or in wheelchairs and. After a few minutes, they'd be able to walk away without them. Wow. I mean, I don't know if that's, you know, like an actual miracle or if it's kind of like our uh, something like our televangelists where they'd, they'd get people up on stage yeah. and they'd force out the demons and then they'd walk around or they'd be able to see or whatever. It's it's kind of hard to tell with, with some people. Yeah. I mean, I really dislike the fact that they do that because, I mean, it gives a lot of people that have disabilities hope that pretty much isn't there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, um, it seems very inhumane to me. I mean, to give somebody that much hope oh, yeah. when really you're just trying to get their money. Right, yeah. I mean, there's, even even today there's still people like, you know, if if I'm up in the middle of the night and I'm, 
flipping through channels on the weekend. I'll still see people. I'll see a guy trying to sell, um, I guess they call it miracle water or something like that, but it's just a little vial of water. It costs you like 50 bucks and they'll ship it to you and it's supposed to, to heal you or something, but just, it's, I don't know. It just seems like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like the lowest form you could take with anything religious, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's just yeah, really I mean, bad. Anybody out there, I mean, a lot, a lot of people out there that listen to us are probably into ghost hunting and stuff like sure. that. Um, for those of you who want to get some holy water or whatever to bless yourselves, which is, by the way, not a bad idea to do, um, don't buy it online. <laughs> and that's just the biggest thing I can tell you. I see that online. I saw it online a lot when I when I used to be into that stuff. Just get a, a small glass bottle or something and go to your local Catholic church and ask a priest there to get you some or to bless some water for oh, you. Oh, yeah. They'll usually gladly do it for you. Yeah, um, yeah. They It's it's almost like, uh, I guess it, it would almost be like their duty to, you know, if you come in and ask them to bless some water for you, it's like they have to do it almost. Right. I mean, it's. Is kind of one of those things that they do. Yeah, it's like going to confession. Right. I'm not. I'm not Catholic. I'm not really strictly religious in any way. But I mean, if if I walked into one, I don't think a, a priest would ever turn me away. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. But um, crying statues. What do you think? I mean, is, is it possible? It's just one of those things that human manipulation has made me just say no I, it seems like there's just too much of relying on other people for it to be real right of relying on other people's honesty which is something that you know in today's day and age you just really can't do anymore right yeah I, the more i think about it i mean it's a statue it's it's solid something and should be solid I would think. I mean, there's, I, I guess the fact that there would be no place for it to come from or shouldn't be a place for it to come from would be what would make it miraculous. But at the same time, you know, I, I just, I don't think I could buy it. Yeah, it's, it's just not one of those ones that I buy either. For crying statues, we say no. Um, right. Stigmata, maybe. Yeah, that's one of those plausible ones. I mean... <laughs> It's very, I mean, for people who, I mean, I've never even heard of that kind of hypochondria where you can actually make yourself bleed. But I mean, I mean, for the people who don't have that, I mean, that's very specific. That's a, those are very specific spots for you to bleed out. Right. I know a lot of the times, depending on, um, you know, which, which version of the crucifix somebody has grown up with, because some of them have the nails in the hands and some of them have the nails in the wrist. I think right. a lot of times that corresponds to where the stigmata happens. So, right. I mean, depending on what what image they're used to seeing is directly affects what symptoms they get, I think. And I, I think that's what uh, that's the thing that makes it more of a mind over matter thing for me. Yeah. And then, of course, we got our, our fairy tale ones, right. that, which aren't, you know, Obviously aren't true, but they're pretty fun to think right. about. Maybe take your kids before Christmas next year. Sure. Come in line. 
Um, the Incorruptibles, though, that one... Uh, honestly, I think that one defies explanation. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I've, I read about this before, you know, when I was younger, and I just... I couldn't figure out an explanation then. I can't figure out one now. It's just... <laughs> It's just one of those things. I I think I would like um, I'd like it if we could get like some scientists or something to to be able to get in and just check out some of these bodies. But I mean, anymore, I think they're under strict lock and key, and you definitely don't hear about anybody else being exhumed and you know in an incorruptible state. You know, yeah, it just doesn't happen anymore. Two thousand three, really. I think it's the last yeah. time it happened. But, I mean, they, it's not a very common thing anymore. Right. I mean, it's like the most recent one, but, I mean, before that, it's it's been several years. So, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up all together. Yeah, yeah. Um, since New Year's is coming up, and we won't actually be doing um, an episode the week after New Year's because it's on a two-week schedule, uh, do you have any uh, resolutions you're... you're trying to implement <laughs> no not really i've just been focusing on working yeah yeah and um yeah just trying to balance all that and all right well so, uh we'll go ahead and call it a day all right um real quick sure. though um just wanted to share share a little story with you i mean i i told you um the other week that my grandpa passed yeah well um the other night, I had, I had the, the strangest dream about him, which, I mean, usually I don't chalk up dreams or too much, but, I mean, this was just stuck out to me as so weird, and it woke me up. It, I mean, it was it was such a weird dream. I was in some house. I don't remember what house I was in, but I came down the stairs, and it was, like, there was stairs that come down, but the house isn't, like, quite long enough, so there's a little landing that will go down another two or three steps at a 90-degree angle to him. Well, it was coming down these steps, and he was standing in the corner of a landing there like that, and he was just staring at me, like with this really blank expression on his face. Almost, I mean, I I, don't, I can't even really describe it. And in my dream, I realized, you know, I, I knew in my dream that he was dead and all that, so I kind of freaked out and turned around and, you know, went to go down the stairs real fast, and... Like, as soon as I turned around, he was right back in front of me with that same look on his face, like, two inches from my face. And, you know, right then I woke up. It was just a very weird experience for me, a very weird dream. Wow. Usually I don't put a whole lot of stock in the dreams, but that was just one of those ones that you know, maybe, you know, stopped. Because usually I don't dream about, you know, deceased, you know, loved ones and all right. that. That was just one of those weird ones. Mm. I don't know, maybe we can do a show in the future about that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've there's that. there's plenty plenty of stuff we can <laughs> we can oh, do yeah, shows no. on. So I I don't yeah. think we can ever just you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll really run out of ideas. Yeah. Um, have you thought any more about doing a live show? I have actually. Um, I tested out TalkShoe today, and yeah. just how easy it would be to connect to TalkShoe. Um, unless you have a paid paid subscription to Skype. You wouldn't be able to connect through Skype. Um, yeah. TalkShoe actually offers software that you can uh, use to connect, but you have to have an account through TalkShoe, which is free, but yeah. um, it doesn't work on either of my computers, but I had my son try on his, and he was able to connect. 
So I guess it's kind of like a hit and miss type of thing. Okay. Um, I mean, you can call in with a phone, and uh, we actually we did that using Google Voice too. If you can dial out using Google Voice, but I think uh, Google Voice is only free in the U.S. and Canada. So if there's international listeners, I I wouldn't know what to tell them. Uh, yeah. uh, there's a couple different uh, VoIP programs out there that can connect, but they all take a little bit of uh, messing with to get them working right. And then in the end, the sound quality wasn't actually great. So I don't know if we're if, if that's what I'm going to end up doing or if I'm going to maybe try to find something else. Um, if anybody's listening and they, and they have any suggestions, I'd, I'm open to suggestions always. But uh, yeah, a live show is definitely definitely still on the table and still very interested in doing that yeah um just uh let me know so i can get the word out there i'm you know i'm showing the sites i'm on oh yeah i mean we'll have to um i mean i'm sure we'll give advance notice uh, enough notice so that people can you know we'll get people interested and people can be ready and you know anybody that wants to be there can be there yeah it's um it's definitely an idea I want to do. I might have you know some some people in my family call in, oh. whatever, with their experiences. Because I mean, you know, as I've talked about before, I've, my family has a lot of um, activities, oh. and that's my sort of area. Yeah, the more the merrier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you get going. I think they're uh, cooking dinner upstairs. So. All righty. I'll go ahead and uh, and I will talk to you next time. All right. I'll see you All later. All right. Take it easy. Talk to you later.